Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, um, we thank you for your word and we pray that your Holy Spirit now would, would settle us, would settle me. We've had some disruptions and uh, aggravations. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to, to just give us uh, peace and the ability to hear what you want to say to us today. We thank you for your word. Your words are life. And we need to hear these words today and apply them to our life and take hope and comfort and be challenged by your word. So we ask that you will do that work today among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the first time in a long time, Josie and I have planted a garden in our backyard, a vegetable garden. And it's taken quite a bit of work. We don't have a, a, a tiller, so we had to till the soil by hand. And um, as a result of that, we were sore for a couple of days. Uh, we planted peas and lettuce and kale and radishes. Uh, the, the little kids got in on the act as well. Well, all the kids did. And uh, now uh, things are starting to sprout up. Yesterday, we put up some fencing to protect the, the vegetable garden from rabbits and deer. Um, so we've made a significant investment of time and money. And the goal of this garden, of course, is for it to be fruitful and for us to be able to enjoy its produce. Well, in John 15, Jesus tells us that God is a gardener, that God has a garden project. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And Jesus is using here Old Testament language. In the Old Testament, God often called Israel his vineyard. And you can see this in places like um, Isaiah 5. God planted Israel. It began to grow. God protected it. And he did this. He 
he has a garden, he has a people, so that through this garden, he might bring the, the blessing of his salvation to the world. But Israel was not a fruitful garden. Isaiah 5 says it produced wild vines, wild grapes. Israel was not fruitful because Israel was not faithful. Israel turned its back on God and turned to idols. So in saying, I am the true vine, Jesus is saying that he's been faithful where Israel has failed and that through him, God will bring salvation to the world. He takes up Israel's mission and fulfills it in himself. It's really a radical claim that he's making here. I am the true vine. And then Jesus says that his disciples are to be fruitful branches connected to him. And I want to talk this morning about what does it mean to be a fruitful disciple and then how we can be fruitful disciples, according to John 15. Part of it has to do with Christian character, being a fruitful disciple. So in John 15, 12, which was not in our text today, but as the passage unfolds, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Love is the essence of Christian character. So Jesus is the vine, and if we're connected to him, his love, which is the love of God, flows from him to us, to one another. Being a fruitful disciple has to do with what we do. It has to do with our character. But it also has to do, or rather, it has to do with who we are. It has to do with our character. But it also has to do with what we do. It has to do with mission. So in John 15, 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should last. This is mission language. He chooses, he appoints, he calls them to bear fruit that will last. And many commentators believe that the fruit that will last is a reference to people who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and have come to faith and repentance as a result of this mission. So in John 15, fruitful discipleship has to do with our character and our mission. Now, how does one become a fruitful disciple of Jesus? What's the word that runs through this passage over and over again? Abide. Abide. Stay. Remain. Stay connected to me, Jesus is saying. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That is a hopeful promise, isn't it, brothers and sisters? Jesus says it's inevitable. If you are connected to him, you will bear fruit. If you are in union with him, you're going to bring forth something of the life of God and the goodness of God into this world. That's a wonderful and encouraging promise. I don't know about you. Sometimes I can get discouraged as a disciple of Christ. Am I doing enough for Christ? Is my life really making a difference? I'm making a different difference as a Christian parent in the life of my kids, or maybe as a, a grandparent. Uh, uh, am, am I making a difference in the life of my grandkids, some might ask. I'm making much of a difference in the Christian community, or in my church, among friends and neighbors and 
family members? Am I good enough, holy enough? Do I know enough to be fruitful for Christ? A younger Christian may wrestle with the question, how can I make my life count? And here Jesus is making a promise to all those who are connected to him by faith. You will bear much fruit. You may not see it. You may not recognize it. It may not be the kind of fruit that you're looking for. But here is the promise that you can take to the bank. If you're connected to him by faith, your life will be fruitful for him. Why? Because through our connection with Christ, his spirit lives within us. And the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, produces fruit. Now, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And by that, he means nothing that's fruitful for his kingdom, nothing of eternal value. Abiding in Jesus is the way to be a fruitful disciple. So what then does it mean to abide in Jesus? We're called to be fruitful through abiding in him. How do we abide in Jesus? Well, there's no magical formula or mysterious incantation that we have to recite. Nothing really mysterious here. The connection to Jesus happens through the word of Jesus. So in verse 3, Jesus tells his disciples, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You're already clean. And that's helpful because in verse 2, he said something kind of scary. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser, dresser takes away. So there are branches that are taken away and they're discarded. Yesterday, I was doing a little yard work in the backyard and I was cutting down those those dreaded honeysuckles that are everywhere. And I was cutting those branches and discarding them in a pile. Well, you can imagine that some of the disciples might be thinking when Jesus said that in verse two about the branches that are taken away, they might be thinking, am I the fruitless, worthless vine that's gonna be thrown on the brush pile? But then Jesus says something comforting here. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Jesus has already declared them clean by his word. One writer pointed out that this is the same word clean here, it's the same word in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart or the clean in heart for they shall see God. How are we made clean or pure in our hearts before God? It's by God declaring through his word that we're clean as we put our trust in Jesus, in his perfect life of obedience that's lived in our place, as we put our trust in his death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, as we put our trust in the resurrection and the hope of eternal life that he gives us. So it's through the declared word of Jesus that we are clean. And once Christ has declared us clean, he calls us to live out this identity, this identity that he has graciously given to us. He calls us to continue to abide in his word. The connection begins through his word, and it continues as we abide in his word. So in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
if you abide in me and my words abide, they take up residence in your life. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is not a magic genie wish. This is saying, if my words have shaped you, if my words have shaped your heart and your thinking and your desires, then God will answer these God-shaped prayers in accordance with his will. But that's the way that we abide in Jesus, through his word. And it's not just hearing the word and letting, us, letting the word take up residence in our life. It's obeying the word, responding in obedience. We don't obey in order to earn the love of God. He loved us before we loved him. Scripture is clear about that. But our obedience is a sign of our love for him. And so Jesus says in this passage, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus does not demand perfect obedience from his disciples. He knows that we can't perfectly live up to God's standards. And you got to remember, Jesus is saying this as part of the upper room discourse just before his disciples abandoned him and Peter denied him. He's saying this to people that he knows are not going to follow him perfectly. It's not about perfect obedience. Only Jesus was perfectly obedience, obedient. But it's a call to cling to him and his word on the path of obedience. Even when we stumble, even when we fall, we cling to his word and we continue to walk this path. I think it's wonderful that this is how Jesus has provided a way for us to connect to him even today. We serve, this is Easter tied still in the church. We serve a living Lord. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is interacting with his people by his spirit and through his word. We still have a connection to Christ, and that comes through his word. The Christian disciple discovers that Jesus's words are the words of eternal life, as the apostle Peter said to Jesus. There was a time in the Gospels where many were abandoning Jesus. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. A Christian disciple understands and appreciates that Jesus' word is life. And if you haven't discovered that, wow, now is a great time to discover that Jesus's words are life. If you haven't made it a, great, a habit, a daily habit, to hear from the word of Christ, now is a great time to start that habit. Maybe just a few days reading through the gospels prayerfully with an open mind and an open heart. And if you do that, as you do that, you will see how Jesus's teaching and his wisdom and the hope he gives will speak to what you need. It'll speak to your fears and your hopes and your deepest longings. So here's the point of this passage, the simple point of this passage. God has a vine garden, and at the center of this garden is Jesus. Jesus is the vine. We are fruitful disciples as we abide in him through his word. Let me just make some more points of application before we move on. 
first of all, although there's great comfort in this passage, there's also a warning. And the warning is about the branch that does not bear fruit that the vine gardener takes away. You have to remember that before Jesus said these words, he's, he's called out Judas as the betrayer. Judas was part of the disciples. Judas had a kind of connection to Christ, a real connection to Christ, but obviously he did not truly love and obey and trust Christ. So there's a warning here for those who are in some way attached to Jesus, but they don't truly love and trust him. And I just want to bring that out because maybe there's somebody listening to this who needs to be reminded of this warning. Don't just appear to be a disciple of Jesus. Be a disciple. Trust Jesus for salvation. Trust Jesus to make you clean. Trust his word to help you grow. The second point of application I want to make here has to do with this, this notion of pruning. Jesus says, every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it grows more fruit. An untrimmed vine will develop long branches that produce little fruit, and so gardeners have to cut away the dead wood so that the garden can be more fruitful. Now, here's a question for you to consider. This is something I've been thinking about. In the season of pandemic, of COVID-19, how is God doing this work of pruning in your life? What are the things that God might be cutting away in our life so that we can be more fruitful for him? Is he cutting away our dependence on wealth and materialism? Is he cutting away the, the idea that we are in control of the future? Is he cutting away the illusion that we can escape death and we don't have to deal with our mortality. You know the quote by Samuel Johnson, when a man knows he's about to be hanged in a fortnight, it concentrates his mind wonderfully. Something about the reality of death and of our own mortality has been raised through this pandemic. And it helps us to focus on the things that really matter. And for believers, it, help us, it helps us to focus on eternal things. So let's trust that in this difficult season, God is pruning us. And he's pruning the church so that we can be more fruitful. And finally, let's remember that a large part of what it means to be a fruitful disciple has to do with our character. And at the heart of that for the Christian is this agape love, this self-giving, sacrificial love. Jesus said, right after this passage, this is my commandment, disciples, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, during this season of this pandemic, we have an opportunity as Christians to practice love. Love for those within the Christian community, and love for those outside the Christian community. And at the heart of love, agape love, is as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, patience. And that wonderful, beautiful description of love that the Apostle Paul gives us. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not envious or boastful or proud or rude or self-seeking. So we're called as a church 
to practice the, the fruit of being loved by Christ, which is loving one another. And, and one key aspect of that is patience and kindness. And I bring this out because as we move towards reopening the church, we will all have an opportunity to demonstrate patience and kindness with one another. It's not going to go exactly smoothly. Today did not go exactly smoothly. And people are coming at this from different points of view. And if you've been paying attention to the news or social media, you know in our broader culture, there's a, even becoming a division over certain aspects of how to respond to this pandemic. We're called to be countercultural. We're called to practice love and patience with one another. And so this is going to be an opportunity to exercise that privilege of being fruitful. Jesus says that being fruitful will give us joy. I've said these things that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's something joyful. There's something deeply satisfying about being a vessel or a channel of goodness, isn't there? One of the silver linings in this season that I've seen is that so many people are taking up creative activities uh, so that they can be a, a, a vessel or a channel of, of creative goodness. So like we did in, in our family, we've taken up some gardening. Some people are taking up cooking. Look on social media, see people are doing more cooking at home. Some people are taking up art projects. So for many people, this has been an opportunity to rediscover the joy, the satisfaction of being a, a creative means of goodness. Remember a phrase that a philosopher used that stuck with me, talks about the dignity of being a cause. And that's what Jesus calls us to here in this passage. Through him to bear much fruit, the dignity of being a cause of his redemptive goodness in the world for the good of others, for our joy, and for the glory of God. Amen. Let me say a prayer, and then Matt's going to come and sing a song. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity uh, to bear fruit in your world. And we thank you that this is not by looking to ourselves, but clinging to you, Lord Christ. And we thank you for that promise. As we do that, we will bear much fruit for your glory. Help us to cling to you and your word today, this week, and in the days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bide with me, as falls even time. Darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comfort me, help of the helpers abide in me. Upon my hand. In early youth did 
smile. 